You're listening to Little Bites, the podcast for volunteer managers with solutions you can snack on. This is Sammy, Volunteer Toronto's training specialist, coming to you from the pantry, our crowded storage closet. Joining me today is our guest snacker, Ali Velji, Manager, Adult Literacy Services at the Toronto Public Library. On today's episode, this one is for all the large organizations, the provincial and national nonprofits, the agencies with multiple locations. Let's understand the bureaucracy you face and do our best to work within it. First up is our snack of the day, chocolate chip cookies. And I have a reason for this, because we're all pieces of chocolate in the grand cookie of our organization. Very, very clever. Very smart. I I know. I am very (laughs) smart, as you might know. Uh, Now, to get started with our guest snacker, please tell us who you are and what you do. Good. Thank you, Sammy. And I want to thank you for inviting me here today. Um, So so my name is Ali Belgi, and I'm the manager for Adult Literacy Services at the library. And so in my role, I'm also responsible for volunteers at the organizational level. So overseeing our policies, our procedures, and the administration of our over 2,700 volunteers a year. Awesome. And could you tell me your favorite snack? So there's so many that I have to choose from. I love carbs, so I'm always eating things that are bad for me. And I was actually going to say that's probably one of my favorite snacks. So you actually did a really good job, but I was going to say barbecue chips. But a close second, I think, would be chocolate chip cookie. So you actually did really well. All right. Thank you. It's also currently the morning, so I wasn't going to go down the chip route. All right. So we're going to be talking about, uh, I call this episode working within the system because we're going to be talking about what it's like, the realities of large organizations. Kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about is really what are the issues that organizations face and who faces these kinds of issues, especially Toronto Public Library is a good example. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we're a really large organization and we have so many opportunities that we have at the library and of course they're spread out over multiple locations. So I know that definitely poses a challenge at times. Right. And a lot of the things I've heard is it tends to be so 100 branches with the library, Mm -hmm. organizations that have 150 chapters across the province or across the country. What usually tends to happen is, okay, we're in one location, Mm -hmm. you're at your office in the middle of the city, how do you manage the volunteer program needs and all the program needs in general? For sure. So what are some big issues that you see in the work that you're doing? So a lot of the big issues that I see, I think especially is around consistency across the programs, right? Right. So as you mentioned, we have, you know, a lot of locations. So not every location has has a volunteer program, but we do have a lot of programs, about five to six core programs, and we have a huge contingent of volunteers. So what we definitely see is consistency across the whole program. So I may have one location that's doing things a certain way and another that's doing things in another way. And that can be really hard, especially when you're looking at making sure that there's standards across there for all volunteers. So even stuff around volunteer recruitment, volunteer administration, um, and even t- so recognition can be a problem. A few of the other challenges that I've seen too is constant staff changes. So within a large right. organization, we have a lot of times when there's staff mo- moving from location t- to location, that can definitely be hard. So as volunteer programs leave or may change, this can be disruptive to our volunteer programs. So meaning that some of our smaller opportunities may have to stop for a short while if there's no staff in place to kind of help take the other responsibility on, or even administrative items like preparing a reference check or even confirming hours for the volunteers, right? So that can be a tough thing, especially if the other staff who are in that location don't know where all that information is. Right. And you were saying there's 2,700 volunteers. So that's yes. a lot of moving pieces definitely, to manage as definitely, well. Definitely, for sure. And I, sorry, I was just going to also say that within my organization too, There are sometimes volunteer opportunities that are led by staff that have multiple responsibilities as well. Right. So the volunteer management side of things may be one small aspect of things, and that can sometimes then affect the time that they have to to dedicate to the program. Right. And that mimics things that I've heard from organizations like Heart and Stroke, Mm -hmm. which quite large national organization, and they have a lot of different moving pieces, a lot of different parts going on at once. 
But one of the biggest things is they might have volunteers or staff doing multiple different things. So right. how do you manage that? Which brings me to the to the next question, and it's kind of the, the root of these issues sometimes. What does, and I'm using the word bureaucracy pretty broadly, <laughs> right. but what does bureaucracy look like when it comes to volunteer management? Yeah, so start to think about this, uh, you know, especially after we last spoke, and I think it can look um, look at different ways depending on the organization. However, from the, from the volunteer perspective or even a volunteer lead perspective, it may look like a bunch of rules or guidelines that we have in place that actually need to be followed. It may be even stuff like a lengthy application process, which, you know, a lot of people may not kind of understand. Or even a lot of administrative stuff, just a, a lot of administrative work, just to get a simple reference letter, for example. Right. And sometimes it can mean even in, inflexibility with procedures and not being able to get things done a lot faster. So, for example, I always think of um, if I wanted to start a new volunteer opportunity within my organization, it's not something that I can just kind of do and start on the next day. Right. Or even implementing a change. So I've been wanting to implement a volunteer recognition change for the last little while. But it's going to take a while because I'm going to have to consult with everybody. I'm going to have to consult with the administration of the library as well to make sure that, you know, everything kind of fits into place. So do you think that something like maybe a longer application form or the process for references has maybe proven a barrier to potential volunteers? It definitely can because we do get a lot of calls from people that want to start a volunteer opportunity right away. Right. Uh, They want to just be able to kind of, you know, stop by the next day and start volunteering or they may want to volunteer for a short amount of time and we only offer kind of longer term opportunities. So definitely it can pose barriers, but what we try to do as best as possible is refer them to other agencies that might be able to accommodate them and using resources in the community like Volunteer Toronto to help out with that as well. That's a great plug for us too. (laughs) Always here to help. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that uh, I think volunteers sometimes don't realize. Maybe the last place they worked with had 20 volunteers. It's easy to just fill out a quick form, maybe have an interview, get in the role. But the larger the organization, the more systems need to be in place. Definitely. definitely. And, and I would add that also, it also depends on the opportunity. So like I was mentioning in our organization, we have a lot of longer term opportunities and right. a lot of them are dealing with, let's say, kids or teens. And so we do need to have a lengthier application process because we need to make sure we screen everyone that comes into our program. Yeah. Um, and so that's part of the process that we have. I also did want to mention that, you know, I do realize that some of the bureaucracies even caused by myself sometimes as a volunteer right. administrator. So I definitely get that. However, when you're dealing with a large group of volunteers, there have to be kind of rules and standards in place to make sure that every volunteer is treated fairly and equally across all the programs. And that's something that I always try to keep in mind and try to explain to people as well. Right. And you address this in trying to make a, rec- a change with a recognition process yeah. or plan. Do you find it maybe takes a long time to make changes in response to what the needs are? Definitely. It takes a long time. Even last year, I started to survey a lot of our volunteers to find out what how they wanted to be recognized. Right. And so that process even took a long time. Um, it took me a while to reach all the volunteers, and I still didn't get to reach everybody. I got to reach a huge amount of volunteers that we had, but it was definitely long. So it took me right. a few months to even just to get through that process. Right. And then after that, you look at even doing stuff like research and then making recommendations and consulting with everybody in a large organization. That is not something that's going to happen quickly. Right. So we've talked a bit about the issues we've seen, and I'm sure more are going to come up as we talk as well, but I want to change gears a bit to solutions. So how do we deal with all of these issues? Uh, You've already said when volunteers might be facing barriers, you put them in a different direction, but what are some other solutions that you've seen? Um, so, so a few other things that I've seen other organizations do is have like, for example, a volunteer database to look after the administration of things. And that can definitely help sometimes when you have a lot of moving parts, making sure that information is kind of available in one place. And also to make sure that there are good volunteer management practices within the organization as well. So one of the things that I've tried to do is make sure that 
there are guidelines at the higher level so that every volunteer opportunity and every volunteer location within my organization knows what the kind of standards are and what they have to do. So that could be as simple as a standardized way for everyone to track hours or even recognize volunteers in a similar way, or even something as simple as the volunteer profiles that we have for all of our opportunities. So this can help ensure consistency and standards. So when there are a lot of staff changing locations or a lot of staff moving around, it can make administration um, or administering a large group of volunteers a lot easier. Right. When you've made some of these changes, maybe, have you faced any pushback from staff or from volunteers? I've been lucky so far. I think all the changes that I've made have generally been in consultation with okay. a lot of the volunteer um, staff. So I usually try to get feedback from them as well. Um, and that definitely does help. A lot of the changes that I've made don't seem to affect them in any major way. So I haven't really received any negative feedback or any concerns around that. That's great. And I think that's a really good point is that, that you sort of consulted with people first instead of coming in and saying, here's the change. And that's something I've seen is standardized practices across an organization are a great key to overcoming this. But sometimes it's saying, well, here's how it works here, but I don't know how it's going to work in Etobicoke, or I don't know how it's going to work in Thunder Bay if it's a provincial organization. So it's working together to talk about that. And another side of that that we've seen before is advisory councils, which mm -hmm. is another form of consultation, bringing people together, volunteers, staff, community members from around where you work to be able to, to get some of that feedback. And jumping off of that, what do you think are some things that organizations can do to overcome the bureaucracy or the challenges of working within yeah. the system? For sure. So I think one of the key things is to make sure that everyone's informed, including your volunteers and your staff as well. So making sure that you find ways to keep in touch with everyone on a regular basis. So that could be as simple as, let's say, a regular email or a call that you have with volunteer leads within your organization or even starting to use online tools that are out there right now. We re recently introduced Yammer as part of the Office 365 rollout within our organization. And that's basically social media for organizations. Okay. Um, so that was a great tool that we use to communicate with staff across the organization. Of course, you have to make sure that all the staff that you want to reach are using that tool. Right. But we've definitely found that that's an effective way to keep on top of everybody. Um, secondly, I think regular training with your staff and your volunteer leads is really important. So this may be something as simple as a yearly refresher uh, for existing leads or even new sessions for leads that have just c come on board. And regular training is a great way to remind everyone of the basics and to share important changes or information that may have popped up. And also making sure that your systems and processes are independent of people as well. Cool. So I think that, that you've kind of given us some good, some good direction here. And I think that that is definitely a key point to make sure that people are constantly reminded what the actual standards are, what all the systems are, everything that's in place. And a communication tool is definitely key. And one of the things I think that makes a communication tool really work well is having people who can work with you and speak for you as well. So we call them advocates and allies when making a case for your program. The advocates are the ones that you're trying to really uh, see change from, and the allies are the one who can, ones who can agree with you, such as other staff leads who have been there for a while. So how might you identify advocates and allies in your organization? First, so depending on how your organization is structured and how many programs you have, um, it's always good to have go-to people in each program uh, that you can go to. And so they're the type of people that you can rely on whenever you need some advice or some help as well. So over the years, I've found different ways of identifying them. In some cases, uh, there may be colleagues who I've worked with in projects or have regular contact with regarding volunteer administration. In other cases, there have been other people who have just kind of stepped up and wanted to help. However you find them, try to have advocates and allies in, in a lot of different places and a lot of different levels as well within the organization. For sure. And I think a point just off of that is one of the things I've seen that's really successful for myself and for other organizations is one of your allies should be someone 
who has access to senior leadership or is part of senior leadership, but not your boss. Definitely. So it's good to have your boss as an ally, absolutely, but to have someone else who's in a completely different department who can say the volunteer program is vital and we need to put resources or put attention towards it really goes a long way, which I'm sure is something you see in something in an organization as large as the library as well. Definitely. And I think even a lot of times showing the outcomes and the impact of the work that we're doing is really key. Right. And that can definitely help make a difference too. So this is the information that your uh, advocates and your allies can use. For sure. I think we've talked about the value of impacts in almost every episode. So I'm glad that you brought that up as well. So we're going to bring us now to our big bite, which is what you should take away from this episode. And really the big things are, I think that you need to be aware of the issues that you're facing, aware of the bureaucracy, as I call it, in your organization, and being understanding of maybe staffing changes, being understanding of how you communicate with people. But the biggest thing is, if you want to make changes for the better, talk to everyone, get a sense of what's working, what's not working, and make those standardized practices with everybody on board. And then it's something you can constantly kind of remind everyone, do training on, stay communicated with. If you use a digital tool, Make sure everyone uses it so they're on the same page as well. So thanks again for the conversation today, Ali. The blog post is going to feature our highlights and some useful links as well. And for our listeners, I leave you with one snack to go. Take a look at the structure and hierarchy of your organization. Ask yourself, who are your allies and who can help you get things done? Send us an email at littlebites at volunteertoronto.ca or tweet us at volunteerto anytime. You can also find all our episodes on the Inspiring Action blog at volunteertoronto.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Little Bites and found some solutions you can snack on. Thanks for listening and keep snacking.